According to the American Humanist Association, humanists reject the claim that the Bible is the Word of God because they are convinced the book was written solely by humans in an ignorant, superstitious, and cruel age. Bibles are being removed from school libraries. And there are articles claiming biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. And yet, the Bible is the only book that has the words to eternal life. And therefore, we will discuss the Bible on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. I wanted to talk about the Bible today because I want everyone to be fully aware of what they are missing by not studying the Word of God, the Bible. There is not a more important subject than the Bible because the Bible is the key to eternal life. That's our ticket out of here, folks. The Old Testament begins with the creation. Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The word Genesis actually means beginning. It is the same word that uh, genetics comes from. The root of our being is called genetics. The book of Genesis is the book of the beginnings. Most of the things that are of supreme importance in our world today can be found in the book of Genesis. Much of it is contained in the first three chapters or so. The book of Genesis contains the law of sin and death, sonship, the origin of the nations, the origin of the languages, and the beginning of man-made religion, God's definition of marriage and many different things. And the history of everything originates from the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. It is important to understand there were, when you're looking at the Bible, there were no sons of God in the Old Testament except for Adam. When Adam and Eve fell, they lost their sonship and they begat sons and daughters Adam begat sons and daughters in his own image. There were not sons of God because his image was now fallen. We don't find another son of God, a human son of God, until we come to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he, begat, he came to beget many sons into glory. Jesus is the second Adam, and he came to purchase for us the original state of man, lost by the first Adam. Now, I'm giving you an overview of the Bible here. I'm going to try to get it done here in a couple segments because obviously I'm just scratching the surface 
of a very detailed uh, book. There's so much depth to it, we'll never get to the bottom of it. But some things you must understand. Another and very important concept most folks don't understand is introduced to us early in Genesis, all the way back in chapter 2, verse 17. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. This is a law that still affects us today, which is called the law of sin and death. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans 6.23 reveals, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law of sin and death ruled from Adam until Jesus Christ. Romans 8.2 tells us, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So for 4,000 years, mankind was locked into this law of sin and death, and it reigned from Adam until Jesus Christ. Because all had sinned, and everyone was under the power of the law of sin and death. But when Jesus came, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made those that have been born again free from the law of sin and death. Now these are concepts that you will get only from the Word of God, from the study of the Bible. In taking Bible out of our libraries... And people saying, oh, and, you know, invalidating the Word of God and things like that. Taking the Bible out of society, you would have no clue about these concepts. Concepts that are designed to take us to heaven. Now, how do we get the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus in us so we can be liberated from this horrible state of affairs that the human race has been locked under now for the past 6,000 years? Even though there is a way out, most people are still living under the law of sin and death. Only through Jesus Christ can we escape. And we we can discover how we can take advantage of this majestic, marvelous, redemptive work of Jesus Christ so that we can regain innocence and be happy to go to church only through the Word of God. You see what you're missing when you don't have a working knowledge of the Bible? But yet, many articles are telling us that biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. People don't even have a clue of these concepts because they don't understand the Word of God. The first 11 chapters of the Bible, or I should say of the book of Genesis, covered the first 2,000 years of human history. Then God slams on the brakes and He spends the next 12 chapters on one person, Abraham. Abraham became the father of the physical people of God on the earth, the Jews. And he also became the father of the spiritual people of God on the earth, the true church of Jesus Christ. He is the father of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And furthermore, God made a covenant with Abraham 4,000 years ago 
concerning the boundaries of the promised land that is still valid in Israel and in the news every day. Moses was the most famous prophet of the Old Testament and was the deliverer of God's people out of Egyptian bondage. The Bible says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so I'm going through these concepts today and and going throughout the Bible. I'm giving you just an overview because I want you to understand and I'm imploring you in the end time, have a working knowledge of the Word of God because you're going to miss the entire ride of life if you don't have these concepts in your mind going forward. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. You know, Moses, he, he was the most revered figure in all of the Old Testament by the Jewish people. Not only did the law come by Moses but also the tabernacle plan. The tabernacle plan actually teaches us about the New Testament plan of salvation. Over time, Israel enters into the promised land. They come through the wilderness, out of the Egyptian bondage. They come into the promised land. And we go from the tabernacle plan to the first temple. Israel's first temple is built by King Solomon. And this begins the first temple era. The first temple era lasted for, what, 400 years. And afterward, the people of God disobeyed and rebelled against the laws of God. And then God sent them into exile for their disobedience. 
And you'll find that when Israel obeyed God, he blessed them. And when they disobeyed, God sent them into exile and sent his judgment upon them and scattered them throughout the land. The first exile happened around 586 B.C. And this is when the first temple was destroyed. They went into Babylonian captivity. Seventy years later, the children of Israel were brought back to Israel and they built the second temple. And that begins the second temple era, which continued all the way through the ministry of Jesus Christ and culminated in 70 A.D. when the Romans destroyed the second temple. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 24 when one stone would not be left upon another. Many of you know that prophecy. And the Jewish people went into exile again after the the temple was destroyed for almost 2,000 years. Well, then we come into, when we're going this overview of the Bible, we come to the New Testament. Now, again, I'm leaving so much out because I'm just hitting the treetops here. There's so many stories that are just so enriching to our life today, showing us how God moved on people and He spoke to people and He, he wanted to nurture a relationship with them. And, but the Bible says the law was a schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. And so here we are in the New Testament now. The Messiah is born. The Old Testament provides many prophecies of the coming Messiah, but the, and the Bible teaches us the central purpose for Jesus coming to this earth, which was to build His church. It also tells of the rejection and the crucifixion of Jesus and His ultimate uh, resurrection. Uh, Also, the redemption and the restoration of sonship. Many things happen during the life and, and the end of the life of Jesus Christ here on the earth. The first Adam lost paradise And it was the goal of the second Adam to regain paradise for those who would obey the gospel plan of salvation that Jesus Christ purchased on Calvary. Everything that was lost by the disobedience of the first Adam was purchased back for you and me by the obedience of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. We are able to tap into the the marvelous, majestic work of the second Adam. The first Adam failed, but the second Adam was a smashing success. And thank God, aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ had the, the greatest success ever? And that brings us to the church age. By studying the apostles, we're able to see how human beings like you and me put into practice the everyday teachings of Jesus Christ. By studying the history of the early church, it allows us to see what the church should look like right now. And this is one thing you need to ask yourself. Does my church function like the early church did in the book of Acts through the book of Jude? Ask yourself that. The church of the 21st century should look just like the church of the first century. That's why you need to have a working knowledge of the Word of God. If your church doesn't function like that, then you need to go to your pastor and say, hey, the early church did this, but we don't do that. Why is that? 
I would have that conversation. Ask him out for a cup of coffee and say, what about these things in the Word of God? Why would you not have that conversation? There's nothing wrong with that. Now, we all want to make it to heaven, right? So the Bible teaches that both Jews and Gentiles can be saved. So there is no excuse. And this is found in the the New Testament. So there is absolutely no excuse for anyone, Jew or Gentile, not to be able to have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what the Bible is all about. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your fellow man, and preparing for the soon coming kingdom of God. Then the Bible also tells us about a millennial reign. Prophecies foretell the second coming of the battle of Armageddon. Prophecies concerning the Jesus as he is crowned king of kings and lord of lords upon his second coming. Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years, which is the beginning of the 1,000 year millennial reign. And this will be the thousand years of peace on earth when Jesus Christ will rule in justice and righteousness. Think about it. If you have no knowledge of the Word of God, how would you know about any of this? I mean, think about them pulling Bibles off of our, out of our, out of our school libraries. And the teachers are not allowed to tell a student where you came from, what your purpose is here on the earth, and where you're going and spending eternity. Now, obviously that's the role of the parent, a Sunday school teacher, uh, a a teacher. But I mean, if they're going to teach evolution, they need to be teaching the children creation as well, in my mind. So what a travesty it would be for them to pull Bibles off of school, out of school libraries. Keeping, a, keeping access to the Word of God away from students in a school setting. Why not do book reports and speeches on the Word of God, right? Why not? This is a Christian nation, right? So, at the end of the 1,000-year millennial reign, Satan's going to be loosed for a little season. That's Revelation chapter 20. At the end of the human experience, when there will be no more humanity, all humanity will be forever destroyed and we will, be, we will inherit eternal life if you have prepared yourself and obeyed the gospel. I hope all of us are among the, the second category, right? Then the great white throne judgment takes place, which plunges us back into eternity. Remember, before the earth was created, there was eternity. Eternity has continued on, but there's 7,000 years of human existence here. Well, we will go back off into an eternal existence once the earth is done away with. The Bible says there will be worlds without end. Folks, the Bible teaches us the marvelous, magnificent, intelligent God. Nothing compares to Him. This God that we serve has plans that go way beyond this 7,000 years recorded in the Bible. And I want to be with Him exploring all of that, right? The Bible is really God's instruction manual for mankind. How can you live your life? If you're, are you going to rely on your own devices? Are you going to rely on the books of somebody else's opinion? Why not rely upon the Word of God from Almighty God that created all of this? He gave us an instruction manual for life. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 tells us, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, Reproof, correction for instruction in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the Bible is our instruction manual for life. If we want to be successful, we want to read God's Word, which, is, which He intended for us to study. Notice this passage says the Word of God is profitable for doctrine. Many people say doctrine is divisive. Doctrine is a, the Bible doctrines are a statement of truth, a statement of things that are believed to be true. 1 Timothy uh, 4.16 says, Take heed unto thyselves and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. This is the apostles' doctrine we're talking about. For in doing, so, in doing this, thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. So the doctrines are absolutely critical. There is the uh, ecumenical movement today, trying to unite all Protestant religions under one belief system based on tolerance. The fatal flaw of the ecumenical movements from the outset, well, and it's been happening for years, from the outset was this call to unity, but that it was based on compromise rather than the truth. Long-held biblical truths our religious forefathers had worked and died for were cast aside like obsolete baggage. And, you know, if over the years this call to unity had been based on the truth of the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith found in the Bible and on a willingness to pray and study until the truth was found on agreement in what was the Bible teaches, hey, a true Christian rebirth could have taken place, right? Would be taking place now. However, the large ecumenical movements... It's not based on truth, but on compromise. Let's push the doctrines aside. You know, as a result of much of this, doctrine has become a dirty word to some in the ecumenical movements. <gasps> well, your doctrine has separated us, so let's just push the doctrines aside and let's all just get along. Again, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. You want to teach the truth? You're going to hold to biblical doctrines. So Paul taught Timothy that doctrine was essential for salvation. Many people today are saying, oh, the doctrines, those are old-fashioned. Those are for thousands of years ago. No, absolutely not. That's an untrue statement. Doctrines of the, in the Bible are essential for our salvation today in 2022. But to the ecumenical movement, doctrine actually has become the blockade to unity in many ways, unless people are willing to sweep the doctrines under the rug. What a travesty in 2022. The scriptures tell us that we cannot be saved without true doctrine. The Word of God is to be used to tell us what we should believe and also for reproof. If, if we believe, if we really love God and we are wrong, if something I believe is, does not line up with the Word of God, then we should invite somebody to say, hey, you know, it, I understand that's your belief system and maybe you've been taught that your entire life, but look at what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God is our instruction manual. It's, it's, it's showing us how to get to heaven. It has the words to eternal life. And it's not a do and don't manual. It's a showing you a, a, um, a plan of, for a successful life. Here, you want to have the best life you can have? 
Abide by these words and you can make it into eternal life. You know, no one likes to be reproved, right? However, all of us need reproof, especially if we're heading down a wrong road. If there's a bridge out up ahead, somebody needs to say, hey, stop. There's a bridge out. Don't go down this path. There's another path to safety another way, right? Would you not want somebody doing that for you and your family? Well, when you talk to somebody about the Word of God, you're showing them you're headed down a wrong path. Let me show you the right path. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. The God of heaven is coming back before very long to establish His kingdom here on the earth. Let me show you how to be a part of that kingdom according to the Bible. That's the most important. The, you know, the Word of God. It's to reprove us when we're wrong, and it's for giving us correction. Not only does it tell us when we are wrong, but it points us to the correct path. It also instructs us in righteousness. Not only does it tell us what is wrong, but it tells us how to do that which is right. There is so much in the Word of God. It's such. When I saw some of these articles, I thought, I've got to do a program on this because for biblical illiteracy, and I've faced this for years, in being in ministry, people that you would think, I mean, they've come at uh, and asked me a question, and I want everybody to ask us questions. Feel free. I love questions because that's how you learn. But I've taught Bible studies before where I found out somebody's in their 60s, 70s, 80s had just a surface knowledge of the Word of God. And I thought, oh, how enriching your life could have been all throughout if you just would have had a knowledge, a working knowledge of the Word of God. You know, the Bible says God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If we've ever needed Bible preaching from our pulpits, come on, preachers. We desperately need it right now. Don't tiptoe through the tulips and walk on eggshells just because you're afraid of hurting my feelings. Forget my feelings. If you know I'm headed down the wrong path, stand in the pulpit, preach it straight, and let me have it. Because I want you to pull me out of my mindset that would take me to hell And I want you to set me on a pathway to heaven. Okay? I'm not talking about skipping and choosing through the scriptures that I want to adhere to. I'm not not in favor of a cafeteria Christian. My father-in-law used to say, Irvin Baxter, the cafeteria Christian. A cafeteria Christian is um, someone who walks down the line, like in a cafeteria, and if they like what they hear, they'll take it home with them. If not... They just skipped that particular part of the sermon that Sunday morning. And that's a cafeteria Christian. The Bible tells us we should eat the whole book. And all of God's word is good for us. You see how enriching just this message is today. It's like a a, a drink of water coming out of the desert when I get into the word of God. Because this world is a wilderness. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through and the Word of God sets me on a path of success. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, everyone, I've studied the Bible for years, and it has so enriched my life. Irvin Baxter, my father-in-law, was such a fabulous Bible teacher. And every, I'd go through his teachings for years. I mean, the, the teachings on the Jerusalem Prophecy College, JerusalemProphecyCollege.com, our college where you can go, on through, go through all of his wonderful teachings, and Into the Age Plus, and EndTime.com, all these different sites and plans and all the DVDs that we put out. And it has helped me to become a better minister, a better Christian. My family, it's helped. It's enriched all of our lives. And we're going to make it to heaven. Without the Bible, no clue. Without somebody helping me understand the Bible, I would have no clue of any of this. So I wanted to make sure you understood today the importance of having a working knowledge of the Word of God. The Word of God is actually given so a preacher may be perfect and thoroughly equipped to help us to be saved. Don't ever come against your pastor and say, well, don't teach this part of the Word of God or pressure him because it might step on your toes a little bit. If the pastor, if God gives him a message and he lays it out there and it steps on your toes, you might look at your toes and say, maybe those toes are headed in the wrong direction. And this is of utmost importance. This is God's way, everybody. Now, I'm not saying that every pastor is teaching the truth. Okay, now we need to talk about that because there are many that are teaching today that do not line up to the Word of God. That's why you personally need to have a working knowledge of the Word of God. Now, the Bible was written by God to man. Now think about that. I know there are humanist organizations that are saying, oh no, it was written by man, by just a a group of men years ago that got together. No, no. When we open our Bible to read God's Word, we're hearing straight from Almighty God. Whatever He says, we can take it to the bank. And yet scriptural ignorance in many people's lives, it's appalling. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. It was not written by just men who come up with these ideas from nowhere. But it was by holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God 
told the writers of the Bible what to say. Jesus himself said in John uh, 10.35, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. So the scripture cannot be broken. It is our roadmap to eternal life. There is nothing more important in our lives than to study the roadmap to everlasting life. You know, most people have a Bible, but it's got dust six inches thick on it. When's the last time you opened your Bible and studied it? The words to eternal life are in that Bible. But I'm telling you, if you spend a whole lot more time on television and YouTube and sports and all this other stuff, there's nothing wrong with some of that. But if you never crack your Bible open, what do you think? God's scratching his head and saying, you know, they tell me they love me and they want to hear from me, but my word is laying right there on their coffee table and has been for 10 years, and they haven't cracked it open one time. You say, man, Dave, you're a little fired up today. Yes, I am, because there are people pulling books out of our school's libraries, and there the I've read many articles, saw many titles of articles in the news where they said, Biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. That is, what a travesty, especially in the times that we're living in. That you're going you're gonna to leave it to your own devices on how I'm going to run my life? Yeah, that's going to be a failure. Now you say, well, I make lots of money. I'm a success. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you spend eternity. And you want to have an awesome, wonderful life? Align yourself with the Word of God. I'm telling you. It's the best life to live. The Bible teaches about two principal subjects, which is the thesis of the entire book. First, man's relationship with God. Number one, this is, the, this is God's number one priority. It's our relationship with Him and His relationship with us. That's the number one thesis of the entire Bible. But right along with that, second, our relationship with our fellow man. Everything in Scripture is designed to teach us about our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow man. Now, when we talk about the Old Testament versus the New Testament, I know there are people that teach that it's just all one big story. And it kind of is, but there is a difference between the Old and the New Testament. The word testament means will. The Old Testament is the old will of God. The New Testament is the new will of God. I, I, I make a special point of this because when some people start trying to understand the Bible, they get really tangled up and they don't know how to relate the Old and New Testament together. Both of them are the Word of God. The Old Testament is the, what was given to us to bring us to the New Testament. The Old Testament, the Bible says the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It's important to understand that we now live under the new will of God. You say, well, I'll explain that. Okay. So, the Old Testament, righteousness of the law. Romans 10.5 tells us about the righteousness of the law. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. So this verse explains that the man who keeps these things, he will live. If he does not, he will die. Well, the New Testament is righteousness by faith. Romans 10, 6-9 tells us 
what happens when we move into the new will of God. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say, not in thine heart, who shall descend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So in the Old Testament, a person worked unto righteousness. In the New Testament, we believe unto righteousness. The Old Testament was designed to give us a knowledge of sin. The New Testament came to teach us the cure for sin. The New Testament says, Being therefore made free from sin, we have peace with God. The Old Testament was designed for condemnation. It was designed to convince us of guilt in order to drive us to repentance. The New Testament come to give us freedom from guilt. It's a whole new concept, but if you can get it, oh my goodness, what a way to live. It's God's will for everyone to live a totally guilt-free life. You said, I'm laden down with guilt, Dave. That's not God's will for your life. Romans 8.1 says, uh, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, imagine going through life and not having a working knowledge of the Word of God. You would have no... Con- no you, there, th- this concepts would not even be on your radar. And that's why most people live under guilt and condemnation and, I mean, so much stress and just... But there's, there's a way to live out beyond that. You don't have to live with all that. The Old Testament was... Um, the Bible says it was types and shadows of things to come in the New Testament. Colossians 2, 16-17 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So the Old Testament contains types and shadows of New Testament realities. We can understand the New Testament reality better if we understand the Old Testament shadows. Now again, I'm leaving so much out. I'm hitting the treetops here. But I want you to get an overall view. What you're missing if you don't have a working knowledge of the Word of God. One of the ways to bring you up to speed quickly, go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com and sign up and start going through those semesters. They're really cheap and it'll walk you through all of this. Keys to spiritual growth. I mean... Uh, it'll, it'll understand the Bible, life and teachings of Jesus Christ. I mean, things that will enrich your life like you can't imagine. But without a working knowledge of them, you're just trying to make it on your own. You're trying to rely on your own education and how much money you can make and make it through life. And I'm telling you, you're missing the whole ride here. And I'm talking about the ride with Jesus Christ. You get on that path, and there's nothing better in life. There's, nothing, there's no better life than that. Now, um, there are, if you want to understand the Bible, kind of a, numbers, um, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. These books are divided up into categories. Uh, the books of the law, history, poetry, uh, and major and minor prophets. Okay? 
The New Testament contains 27 books. The New Testament is divided up into different kinds of books as well. You have the four Gospels, uh, which are four different accounts of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have the book of Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament. That's the history book of the New Testament church and is actually entitled the Acts of the Apostles or the Actions of the Apostles after Jesus left the earth in Acts chapter 1. It tells what they did and what they said. And it was written by one of the authors of the four Gospels. Um, Luke wrote the book of Acts as well. And the epistles, uh, Romans through Jude, the epistles are really, uh, they're letters to the churches, which are, they're written to people who were already born again and saved. You're not going to have a plan of salvation in Acts and then have another plan of salvation in Romans and then another plan of salvation and then another plan of salvation. No, there's one plan of salvation. Plan of salvation is given in Acts and then it's taught over and over again Throughout the rest, they're, they're, they're to people who are already born again. They establish these churches by teaching them the one gospel of the kingdom of God and the one plan of salvation. And this is really important because many people begin reading the letters written to the churches and begin to try to apply these books to people who are not even saved yet. But that's not true. They were written to churches. The book of Romans was written to the church in Rome. And it, it can cause a lot of confusion. I've had to walk people through that over the years. The epistles are given to us so that we can know how to live after we are saved. Almost the entire New Testament, the majority of it, is devoted to helping you live as a Christian post your born-again experience. Then, of course, the book we function in a lot here at End, Time, End of the Age is uh, the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, which is a prophecy book. And it's the book of our for our time, that we're living through it right now. Now, how do we know the Bible's true? This is a huge topic in our news and in our societies today. A lot of people are saying, oh, the book, the Bible, that's, a, that's fairy tales. That, that is just, a, you know, those are, those are just a figment of somebody's imagination. Somebody dreamed that up one day. No. There are many ways you can tell the Bible's true. History. The Bible is the world's premier history book. It's more reliable than Josephus, one of the world's earliest historians. There have been many people who have attempted to provide, uh, to prove the Bible wrong by a historical approach. But there are many ways to tell historically that the Bible is absolutely the true Word of God. You can trust your eternal salvation on that book. And history is one way that you can prove the validity of the Bible. Now there's many more, but we'll talk about those in future segments. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. 
If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, everyone, besides history, prophecy is one of the best ways you can uh, best ways you can validate the word of God or prove the word of God is absolutely true. The Bible, these prophecies written two thousand to twenty five hundred years ago, the Bible is the only book on the planet that I can use current events today to show all those prophecies are coming to pass right now, and it validates the word of God. Jesus said in John 14, 29, And now I have told you before that it comes to pass, that when it does come to pass, you might believe. Believing is critical, because without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must first believe. It's necessary to have a, a base for faith. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19. Jesus was telling us ahead of time before it comes to pass so that we might believe and have a basis for our faith. And that's what prophecy does. Now, we hear it into the age, in time ministries, we specialize in the prophecies of the Bible. Why? We're building your faith in the Word of God, teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, giving you timelines, all these things to follow because we're trying to set you on a path for heaven. And you've got to have a basis for your belief. Prophecy is one of the best ways to do that. There are prophecies about the first coming of Jesus Christ. There, there are many. Um, the, the virgin birth of Jesus. Uh, Isaiah seven fourteen. 14. Uh, it says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Of course, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. Jesus was God wrapped in a fleshly form. He was God with us. And there, there are, I don't have time today, but there are so many proofs providing, so many messianic prophecies providing the validity of the authenticity of the scriptures. Um, of course, prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ, the, the rebirth of the nation of Israel, Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel's boneyard, the, the modern nations in the Bible, United States, Great Britain, Germany, Russia, the European Union, the Holy Roman Empire revived in uh, Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. The healing of the deadly wound with the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, Revelation 13. World government, world religion, precursors to the mark of the beast. Um, Rome, the headquarters for the world religious system, Revelation 17 and 18. There are uh, close to a thousand prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ, providing many proofs for the validity of the Word of God. Uh, there's also miracles. I've had many miracles happen in my life, and I've seen many miracles happen. Um, personal experiences uh, that I've had, that I know God, the God, that I did something according to the Bible, and it worked out perfectly just like the Bible said it would. And uh, experiences receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and changing my life, many different things. I've seen people healed miraculously. And uh, I, I know a lady who had uh, cancer on the top of her nose, completely healed. Another lady that had a goiter, probably half the size of a softball on her neck. And I was raised with her kids. It was completely healed on her neck one night after my father-in-law prayed for her. 
And so, I mean, just oh, throughout my life, I've seen many healings. God's healed me. And so, many miracles and ex- personal experiences proving the Word of God is absolutely true. Uh, aren't you glad He's the same today, uh, yesterday, today, and forever? Amen. Just like He did miracles then, He can do miracles now. Uh, also, the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls uh, discovered back in 1948. Uh, there was some uh, Bedouin shepherds were trying to run down some of their goats. One of those shepherds threw a rock into one of the caves, and they heard a terrible clanking, breaking sound. Not like a, a rock hitting a, a sand or, rock, or another rock. They investigated and found quite a number of these pots inside this cave, and they were full of these ancient scrolls. Well, when they deciphered these scrolls, they discovered that they were scriptures written in 100 B.C. And they found an entire intact copy of the book of Isaiah and fragments of every other Old Testament book, except for, I believe it's the book of Esther. And when they laid the book of Isaiah beside the book of Isaiah today, it was exactly the same, validating, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Word of God. A lot of people say, well, oh, I, I just can't trust the Bible. Can the Bible be trusted? Are you kidding me? I mean, I've sh- I'm sure you've heard it by now, that the Bible can't be trusted because it has been translated so many times, nobody really knows. The question is, how many times has the Bible been translated? The Bibles we have today are two steps away from the original manuscripts. The translations we have today Go back to the earliest copies based on the original manuscripts. And the belief that the Bible has been translated many times is not a fact, but it's a complete myth. People trying to discredit the Word of God. We have access to manuscripts today that were based on the original manuscripts. Don't let the devil tell you that you can't trust the Bible. The devil's a liar. He's the enemy of your soul. You and I can trust the Bible for our life here on the earth and then for our eternal existence. You say, well, nobody knows who wrote the Bible. Oh, really? 2 Peter 1, verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not again. I'm going to read it again because you've got to understand this. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, But holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. God is the author, and many individuals, all of them uh, Jewish, served as recording secretaries. David said in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus said, Search the Scriptures. For in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. That's John, um, John 5.39. I believe I got that one right. Try to do these scriptures all. You try to do that sometime. <laughs> so um, what does all of this mean for you and me in 2022? Very, very important. If I can't tie 2,000 year, this 2,000 to 2,500, 3,000 year old book, if I can't tie those concepts and stories 4,000 years old, if I can't tie all that into 2022 into my life, what's the point? I'll just throw it in the trash, right? It doesn't mean anything to me if those were just written for people thousands of years ago. No. It's just as relevant to me 
as the gentleman who wrote the book. So, what does this have to do with you and me today? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. It doesn't say, except for people that have committed these sins or that sin or had this lifestyle. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. You say, I don't know if God could really forgive me for that. Listen, the Bible says, old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Him by Jesus Christ, and hath given us to the the, uh, ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Very important word. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. There it is again. Reconciled. For he hath made, because we were away from God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus Christ had never sinned that we might be made the the righteousness of God in Him. Our sins will be imputed to Him. When verse 17 says, I can become a new creature, does that literally mean Jesus Christ can turn a lost human being into a new person? You better believe it does. That's the entire reason He came here to the earth. And I know because it happened to me. I have been born again. And I, I, don't, I don't live like I used to live. I'm a new creature in Christ. Remember, verse 18 when it said um, reconciled to God. What does the word reconciled mean? The Latin word concilio means to bring together. The prefix re means again. So the word reconcile means to bring together again. We were separated from God, but He wants to bring us back into... He wants to reconcile us unto Him. All of us were separated from God by sin. But this scripture says, hey, I can be reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. How does that work? Well, once we are in Christ by being born again, God no longer imputes our trespasses to us. You say, well, but that's not fair. How could that possibly be? Because the Bible says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus never sinned, but He loved us so much. You say, but I've done this one sin. God loves you. But I've led a horrible lifestyle. God loves you. But Dave, uh, me and my wife have had problems, and I I used to smoke all whatever, and I used to take these drugs, and I lived this horrible lifestyle. I, I used to... God loves you. Do you understand? Jesus never sinned, But He loved you so much that He volunteered for our sins to be imputed to Him so that His righteousness could be imputed to us. There was a law that ruled, again, that ruled the human race from Adam until Christ. That's why it's important that you get this principle. The law of sin and death. Ezekiel 18.4 Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth 
it's got to die. So the soul that sins, it's got to die. The law of sin and death. All of us lived under the law of sin and death. However, God loved us and didn't want us to die. So He designed a plan to save us from the law of sin and death. God said, I will become a man and will be tempted like every other human being. However, I will not yield to those temptations. I will live a sinless life. And consequently, I will not deserve to die. But I will trick Satan into killing me anyway. And when Satan kills me, he will have broken the law of sin and death. And since only the soul that sins must die, and once the law of sin and death is broken by Satan, it will no longer be in force. And that's why Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them, here it is, which are in Christ Jesus by being born again, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, for the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. God robed Himself in a human body at Bethlehem. He lived a sinless life and then chose to die in my place. And that means I don't have to die and I now have the wonderful gift of eternal life. Now, imagine going through this life without this knowledge The Bible, without a working knowledge of the Bible. Folks, don't let this be the case in your life. Get in good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches. Get in Bible studies. Join the Jerusalem Prophecy College at JerusalemProphecyCollege.com and get this knowledge imparted to you. You talk about a successful, wonderful life. This is the way to live and you want to prepare yourself for the second coming of Jesus Christ, this is how to do it. There's only one ticket out of here, folks, and that is through Jesus Christ and the book that He left us called the Bible. Oh, how I love the Word of God, and I want to align my life up to that Word in every way. God bless you, and we love you. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.